Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Thank you so much, Dan. Uh, It's good that Pastor Kurt has a bit of a bench now so he can get away. I said, Kurt, you need to get with your grandchildren more often. So Dan and I stand ready to jump in whenever. Uh, Two weeks ago, uh, Dan shared one of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And that was when the two disciples were on their way to Emmaus and uh, Jesus confronts them and shares with them the history through the Old Testament and the prophecies concerning the Messiah. And Jesus appeared to them and revealed himself to them quite a moment. This today from John 21 is another post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. And again, the disciples did not recognize him right away. But at the beginning of that video, if that story, that event looks familiar, it's a reenactment of the catching of the fish early in Jesus' ministry when he called Peter, Andrew, and John to follow him. And he invites them to fish, and unbelievably, they catch this fish and they recognize that there's something going on. Jesus redoes that miracle to remind them of that very first miracle that uh, they saw. Peter, at the beginning of that video you saw, is, is in deep distress. He's so disappointed in what happened. But he's in Galilee with the other disciples because Jesus told them in Jerusalem, I'll meet you in Galilee. So there they are. But Peter has undergone a terrible, terrible time. And I'm going to take you back a bit through the Jesus film where Jesus speaks to his disciples and say, one of you is going to betray me. And some of you are going to deny that you ever knew me. And Peter said, that'll never happen. Watch this scene. And he will do so at once. My children. I shall not be with you very much longer. You will look for me, but I tell you now what I told the Jewish authorities. You cannot go where I am going. And now I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. If you have love for one another, then everyone will know that you are my disciples. Where are you going, Lord? You cannot follow me now where I am going. But later you will follow me. Lord, why can't I follow you now? I am ready to die for you. Are you really ready to die for me? I am telling you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will say three times that you do not know me. Peter insisted that he would deny, he would not deny God, Jesus. 
He said, though everyone else fail, I will not fail you. I will die for you. He was so braggadocious and sure of himself. But we know that when push came to shove in the courtyard, Jesus was that very night arrested, brought to trial before the high priest, before the religious authorities of the day, before the Roman authorities themselves. So Peter is warming himself in the courtyard as Jesus is being questioned. And he's warming himself over a charcoal fire. Remember that, warming himself over a charcoal fire. Let's watch. Peter was still standing there, keeping himself warm. So the others said to him, aren't you also one of the disciples of that man? No, I am not. But Peter denied it. One of the high priest's slaves, a relative of a man whose ear Peter had cut off, spoke up. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? No. And at once, a rooster crowed. And scripture says Peter went out and wept bitterly. Can you imagine? The last time we saw Peter was at the tomb. Uh, the women came back to the disciples that were gathered, the women that had seen the empty tomb and encountered the angels that said, he is not here, he is risen. Go tell his disciples. So Peter and John leave the room they're at and rush to the tomb. And John, the writer of this, makes it clear that he won the race. John got there first. He was a better runner. Stood outside the tomb. Peter comes later, and Peter goes boldly into the tomb and finds it empty. Just the clothing lying there, lying there folded up neatly, but no body. And the scripture tells us that John believed, and Peter looked wondering what happened. It was like he was not convinced at the time. But John saw and believed. So back to Galilee. Jesus said, meet me in Galilee. So we see Peter there and said, let's go fishing. So they go out there, back to business as usual, waiting for Jesus to show up. And then we see that reenactment uh, that Jesus uh, performed, that miracle at the very beginning of his ministry. That's the video we saw earlier. And another incidence of, for whatever reason, Jesus hiding his entity at first until John said, it's the Lord. So Peter jumps in, puts on his clothes, jumps in, and comes and Jesus has cooked it breakfast over a charcoal fire, and he serves them bread and fish. This reminds, us of, reminds them and us of the miracle of feeding the 5,000, where Jesus multiplied the loaves and fishes, and he did it twice, once in Israel and once on the other side of the Galilee, and uh, feeding 5,000 one uh, and 4,000 of the other. So again, Jesus, the disciples are saying, okay, he's feeding us again fish and bread. And this is the part where Jesus sits down with Peter and confronts him and gives Peter a chance, another redo, to declare his love for Jesus. Let's watch. After they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. 
Take care of my lambs. A second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter became sad because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And so he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. the truth when you were young you used to get ready and go anywhere you wanted to but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you up and take you where you don't want to go in saying this Jesus was indicating the way in which Peter would die and bring glory to God. Then Jesus said to him, Follow me. Oh, what a powerful story. The nuance of this that the English language doesn't convey, you may be aware there are three words for love in Greek. Uh, one is eros, which is matrimonial, romantic love. Uh, then there's phileo, which is friendship, I, I like you kind of love. And then there's agape love, the unconditional, supremely sacrificial kind of love. So the first time when, when Jesus says to Peter, over a charcoal fire, the charcoal fire where Peter denied Jesus, now in front of another charcoal fire, it's all coming back to Peter. It's, the significance is not lost on Peter. Here they are. And Jesus said, Peter, do you... Agape me. Do you love me supremely, sacrificially? And what the English language doesn't say, Peter answers and says, yes, Lord, I phileo you. I like you. But he couldn't use the word supremely love. So Jesus gives Peter another chance. Peter, do you agape me supremely? And Peter looks down again, probably ashamed of the terrible way he denied his Lord and says, he, he won't step up to agape. He says, Lord, you know I phileo you. I like you. The third time, Jesus asked the question. He said, Peter, do you even phileo me? He goes down to Peter's level. And that's when Peter says, Lord, you know, you know everything you know that I love you. Can you imagine the emotion going through that? But then Jesus said, and don't let this be wasted on you, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. 
Jesus is preparing Peter for being the leader of the church. Peter will become the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And at that point, Jesus is commissioning Peter to feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend the church, take care of the followers. And then he, at the end, says, follow me. He also predicts the way that Peter will die, because tradition has it that Peter is crucified. Tradition has it that Peter watches his wife being crucified, and then Peter himself is crucified, and Peter requests to be crucified upside down, because he's not worthy to be crucified the way Jesus, his master, was done. But this was a move for Peter to be commissioned to be a true follower of Jesus. We see a new chapter in Peter's life. We see Peter on the day of Pentecost speaking boldly to the crowds in Jerusalem. And he says, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to do miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over, over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death, nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead. No doubt in Peter's mind now that Jesus was raised from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep hold of him. What a transformation in Peter from disbelief, from doubt, from denial, to now he's standing boldly proclaiming the fact that Jesus is alive. And when the people saw the courage Peter and John, and they realized they were unschooled fishermen, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. What are, going, what are we going to do with these men, they asked. But the authorities, they wanted to stop this thing from happening, stop Peter and John from spreading the gospel. We must warn them not to speak again in the name of Jesus. And they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach about Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we can't help speaking about what we have seen and heard. What a marvelous trans transformation in the heart of Peter from being defeated, from being intimidated, to being a bold proclaimer. Peter and John are beaten and imprisoned and by the authorities, but they went home after the beating and the whipping, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus, because it is better to follow Jesus than to obey men. While Peter paid the ultimate price, as we saw depicted on the video, the uh, the Caesar Nero, you may know that name, uh, set fire to Rome. He started a fire, but then he blamed Christians because the burning in 64 AD, uh, the culture was destroyed. Uh, the uh, statues to the gods of Rome were burned. Great temples destroyed. Many were killed. Many left homeless. It was a disaster, all caused by Nero, but he blamed the Christian because they were ignoring the Roman gods. Uh, many, that began the persecution of many, many Christians, and the Christians began to scatter because of the persecution. And Peter wrote later a letter to the church, 
Uh, because this was written from prison probably shortly before Peter died. And in 2 Peter 1, Peter writes, I know that I will soon be put aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, going back to the prophecy in John chapter 21. Peter got it all together. And I will make every effort to see, see that after my departure, you will always be remembering these things. Peter was killed by Nero in AD 67 or 68. That whole line of Caesars were terrible on Christians, burning them at the stake, putting them before lions in the arena. It was a terrible time. Caesar persecuted, killed, and burned Christians. But in spite of all this, the church grew. The Roman Empire uh, spread and Christianity spread to Spain, North Africa, Persia, even Thomas took the gospel to India. If you would ask people at the time, about that time with a powerful Roman Empire, what would succeed? The Roman Empire and the Caesars or the Christian church? You would have probably put your money on Rome. But the church grew in the first century. Persecution spread. But today, today, there are three billion followers of Jesus in the world. And Caesar is a salad. <laughs> People named their dogs after Nero. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. It's been true in the first century and throughout history. Where there is martyrdom, the irony is the church grows under persecution. And it's easy to be critical of Peter for his denial. But how often have I denied Jesus, even by my silence? I think I've, of times that I've remained silent and by my silence denied Jesus. In our culture today, it's very unpopular to name the name of Jesus. You're considered crazy or even racist or bigoted. There's a change today in our attitudes towards Jesus. Yes, he was a good guy, but son of God, not so much. There's a change in attitude about Jesus, especially among young people. Many will say they believe in God, maybe even believe in the Holy Spirit. But is Jesus the son of God? Did he die for me? Did he rise from the dead? Not so sure. Am I ashamed? Do I deny Jesus by being ashamed to read my Bible on an airplane? Am I ashamed to have my Bible on my desk at work? Am I ashamed to pray at a restaurant in public? Am I ashamed to speak out on the issues? Am I ashamed to mention Jesus in social media? Am I ashamed to select Christian on my Facebook profile? Am I ashamed to mention the name Jesus with my friends who aren't Christian? Am I ashamed to visibly identify with Jesus in my home for my guests? Am I ashamed to explain my goodness that I don't swear or I don't cheat, I don't lie? It's not because I'm nice, it's because I love Jesus. 
Now, there's no biblical command to have a Bible on your desk. There's no biblical command that you have to pray over food in the food court. You don't have to do Jesus updates on Facebook. But is there any truth to the question, am I ashamed? Am I denying Jesus? Am I embarrassed to be seen with him? I think of our brothers and sisters in Iraq. They don't have to display a cross on their cars from their balconies. They don't have to paint the Nazarene sign on their front doors. And in fact, there is great risk in doing so. We would be quick to forgive them for their low profile in light of the persecution that goes on there by ISIS and terrorists and other groups. But they choose to do these things. For them, being ashamed is so much more than standing firm on the day that ISIS takes them into captivity. They choose to adopt these as daily practices, living out the love of Jesus in public. They're not ashamed to make him known. What about you? What about me? What about us? Christians in China expect to spend some time in prison for their faith. There's a wonderful pastor. I, I happen to do some work for Far East Broadcasting. And uh, there's, a, there's an elderly pastor, 80 years old, by the, Ching Li. That's not his real name. But when the Chinese pressed down on persecution recently with uh, face ID as you enter the church, with uh, Chinese police standing in the back of the church taking note on who's there. This 80-year-old pastor went to the communist authority in his town, and he says, I know you're watching me. I know that you know I'm preaching the gospel, but I've already spent 17 years of my 80 years in a Chinese prison. I've already done that. There's nothing you can do to me, and I'm not going to stop preaching about Jesus. That's faith. A young man that was working with our ministry in Mauritania, there was heavy persecution there. He was, he was in jail. We threw some help and paying some fines got him out. And he said, we here in Mauritania don't pay, pray for protection. We pray for boldness. We pray that we would not be intimidated, that we would be bold. You know, statements like that put me to shame. Increasingly today, Jesus has become a stumbling block in our world. Uh, some youth and young people say, said, I, I don't get Jesus. I don't get the reason. The battle today, you know, we can talk about the battles going in our culture. Uh, we had a, a wonderful man speak to our group here in Naples last September. You would know his name. And he says, the battle is not Republican or Democrat. The battle is not conservative or liberal. The battle is between good and evil. We see it in our culture today, don't you? The same battle as they had in the first century. People today are happy to accept Jesus as a good guy, but he is the son of God. He's not just a good guy because the things that Jesus said would make him either a liar or a lunatic. He either says, he either is who he says he is or is a liar or a lunatic. We believe that he is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Am I willing to stand up for him? Am I willing to pay the price? Paul later said we are ambassadors for Christ. It's though God is employing the world be reconciled to God. That's our job. We're ambassadors. We're to be bold and 
reconciling men and women, boys and girls, to Christ. Jesus is not ashamed to call us his friends. May we be unashamed to call him Lord. Now, the ultimate question is, Jesus asked you, do you love me? Not just do you phileo me. Jesus is our friend. We know that. We have been declared we're no longer his enemies. We have been made friends because he has reconciled us to himself through the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. We are his friend. He says, no longer do I call you servants. I call you friends. But to realize that we not only like him, because he's very likable, we love him supremely, unconditionally, sacrificially, permanently, eternally. Peter was very familiar with the great Shema from the Old Testament, where God says, Hear, O Israel, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. You love God with all your heart, your emotions. You love God with your mind, your intellect. You love God with all your soul, which is who you are, your personality. And you love him with all your strength. That's all your energy. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. <clears throat> Let that love flow inwardly in your own life. We have to examine our own hearts on this, don't we? And let that love flow outwardly. May your life display the splendor of our Savior as you leave here and answer that question, do you love me? And we would say, yes, Lord. You know I love you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, forgive us for the times that we deny you by our words, by our flippantness, by our lack of fervor, by our silence, when our word in your behalf needs to be said, forgive us. But like Peter, we come to the charcoal fire of your creation, that you have just fed a meal and you say, do you really love me? May we examine our own hearts. Is Jesus just a friend, a good guy? Or do we love him supremely with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength? So we pause now in a moment of silence. I'm going to stop praying, and each of you pray in your own hearts with your own answer. To Jesus' question, do you love me? Father, we, that, that song is going in my heart, oh, how I love Jesus, that was so beautifully presented because he first loved me. May it not just be a song. May it be the ring of our hearts, the conviction of our souls, 
the passion of our life, that we would love you and demonstrate your love to those around us with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We cannot do this of our own. We ask you to, by your Holy Spirit, implant that great love in our hearts so we can truly say, oh, how I love Jesus. In the name of your Son, our Savior, we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.